This message was presented at the GYC to the end in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. But before we officially do, I just wanted to show you a little bit on the uh, Revival and Reformation website. Um, you know, because we're sharing stuff, but we actually have a ton of resources um, to help with prayer ministry and small groups and different things like this. And so, <clears throat> unfortunately, when I blew up the screen, I lost my picture on the front page. So that first picture is not going to be there. But when you just go to the, the front of the website, there's this be- beautiful welcome to Revival Reformation. Okay. You um, scroll down. And you'll see important upcoming dates. We have the Sabbath day of prayer and fasting. This is the quarterly day of prayer and fasting that the church does every quarter. And that's getting ready to start this next um, this next week. And then we have the 10 days of prayer coming up. And then the next um, quarter day of prayer and fasting. And I'll show you what's on those pages here in a minute. We have some of our very top recommended resources, like the 20 um, top resources. And then these are featured resources currently. And this is what I was talking about Earlier, five specific ways to grow your walk with God in the new year. It's actually a new year challenge. There's a video where I share things that have really grown my walk with God this last year. And then I share a heart challenge. And I'll show that on another page. So um, let's move over. If we were going to click on the important dates, um, this would be the prayer and fasting materials page you would go to. Practical pointers on fasting. Here is the next quarterly day of prayer and fasting materials. So there's actually a program um, that you can do with your small group or your church or whatever. Um, And I have written some of these materials, and we have other people that have written. So it's a combination of people, but these are actually resources we're putting out. And you're like, oh, we need resources to help with this. And I'm like, this is what we're doing. But most people haven't discovered it. So that's why I'm encouraging you. Go to the R&R website. We have... A lot of materials there. That's for the day in prayer and fasting. Here is um, the, this is the, oh, this is the prayer page. Every week we have, um, you have to sign up to be part of United in Prayer. Um, but every week we send out a prayer testimony, an answered prayer testimony, and then prayer request for the World Church. And those are, you know, just different things. Sometimes they have to do with different tragedies or things happening around the world or different things we're praying for. We're praying for the world um, youth um, total member involvement evangelistic campaigns that are going to be starting this next March. Uh, Gary Blanchard talked about that. The goal is to have 100,000 evangelistic series by young people being run. And so that's on the prayer list. But anyway, you can sign up to be part of that. And um, we have an online um, prayer room, and these are previous blogs. Um, I don't need to show you everything, but I do want to show you a couple more. Okay, so this is a really important. You're in a prayer seminar. So prayer resources page. If you go, you click up here on resources, and you can do it here too. Prayer, prayer resources right there. Or resources, prayer, Bible study, devotional. Or if you want to see all the resources, I'll show you that in just a second. But these are prayer resources. And here we have just 10 days of prayer materials, praying for rain, which you can get downloadable form, the booklet we gave you. Um, I'm going to talk about this here in a few minutes, and you're going to want to know, where do I find this? Praying the word, prayer and promise cards that you can download. They're all right here um, under prayer resources. This is the New Year's Heart Challenge that I told you about yesterday or maybe this morning. I can't remember. Um, the 10-day heart challenge that I put together to just, you know, help you grow closer to God in the new year. And, and this is the video that goes with it. And either one of these will get you to both of those resources. There's tons of prayer resources here. Um, you want to have, um, there's more of my testimony, actually, if you want to hear um, more testimony. Let's see here if I can find um, the prayer. Towards the end, I think we have, now, down near the bottom is the the um, prayer booklet, and I passed it. Privilege of prayer, encounter with prayer, house of prayer. Um, Sorry, I'm flying through these things, but how to start a prayer ministry. Here you go. I mentioned this in this morning's seminar. You want a booklet with... You know, ideas for, for starting prayer ministries and how to organize things. And it's, it's really a lot of method, but there's some good ideas there that you can glean. Okay. I think the most important thing is the heart, 
which we've been talking about. But that's where you can get a lot of how-to details. And we pulled some of the things that we share actually come from this resource. So anyway, um, I just want you to know um, there's videos, there's testimonies, many different things. Then if you just click on the resources themselves, then you will actually see the latest resources that we have uploaded. And you can go by topic, you can go by author, um, you can go by types, you know, documents or audio messages or video messages or whatever you want to choose. Um, and this is the late, la- latest one that just went up this morning, uh, Bible study training by Alistair Huang. You know who he is? President of Audioverse. Yeah. He's a great speaker. He has a lot of amazing testimonies and he does a really awesome, um, he has some great stuff on Bible study, but he has a, a handout that he put together and that's what that is. Um, so these are the latest resources. So anyway, just want, wanted to show that to you, revivalandreformation.org. Um, this is, this is so amazing because it's, you know, <laughs> I feel like my job I get to play because this is, this is what I get to do is collect resources or write resources to help promote revival and reformation for our church. And that's where they're all going is right there. Um, and I'm very open to, if you have resources, um, that you think, should be featured on Revival and Reformation. If they're Seventh-day Adventist, godly, biblical resources, we'll consider putting them there. So we're not just pulling from specific places. We're pulling from a wide variety of places. So we're always open for, for recommendation. Anyway, um, we'll let you start, have a word of prayer, and, and get started on how not to lead a disastrous. This will be interesting. We haven't done this seminar before. <laughs> So expect disaster. <laughs> so I'd like to request those who are able to kneel down to please kneel down with me for a word of prayer. Our great God, our dear loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we praise you and we thank you that you are the source of knowledge and wisdom. And Lord, we want to learn from you, not just from me and Mel, dear Father, but, uh, but you, direct from you, O oh Lord. So I, we pray, dear Father, that you please speak your words today. We'll just be reading from, from the inspired writings and from the counsel and from your word. So, dear Father, I pray that you please cover us with your blood, hide us behind the shadow of your cross. And, Lord, please help, help me and Mel and all of us here to be students at the foot of Christ. Thank you so much, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayers. For we pray this in the loving name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. So, very interesting title, huh? How not to lead a disastrous prayer ministry or a prayer session. Who among you here has experienced a disastrous prayer session? Like you just want to get out. You just want to leave or you're thinking, when is it going to end? <laughs> huh? That's, that's what we're trying to, <laughs> to avoid this afternoon. So... What are the prayer session killers? Actually, you know what? The Spirit of Prophecy talks about prayer session killers. And sometimes we are not aware that we are doing some things that could be prayer session killers. At the beginning of the ministry, I was a prayer session killer. Seriously. And you will, you will see that later and I will point where I was. And I think mostly, most of them. <laughs> So these are the things that we need to be careful about because the moment we get into this, we are not aware that those are the things that are used by the enemy to somehow like die down the fire that's supposed to be burning. And, uh, and we will also tell you how to deal with people who are prayer session killers because we have come across. And, uh, and by the way, before I, before I continue with this, Everything starts with your heart preparation. The moment the heart is right with God, it will be easy for us to get in tune and get right with all these things. So, Mel, can you, can you click the next one? Okay, sermonizing prayer. Have you heard people give the sermon during prayer? Huh? Ah, oh, okay. So we forget that prayer is... It's our petition to the Lord or praising God. There's no part that is sermon to God or sermon to people. 
My dear friends, there is this quote from the Spirit of Prophecy that says, But many offer prayer in a dry, sermonizing manner. This pray to man, not to God. Did you get this? So when you pray a prayer like this, it is about pride. Is it, a, it is about self. And the first requirement, my dear friends, when coming in the presence of God is humbling ourselves before Him. So this does not really qualify. When you catch yourself giving a sermon in prayer, stop. Pray silently. Pray that the Lord will somehow take that self away. Let us continue. If they were praying to God and really understood what they were doing, they would be alarmed at their audacity. For they deliver a discourse to the Lord in the mode of prayer as though the creator of the universe needed special information upon general questions in relation to things transpiring in the world. Did you get this? And I did not realize that I was giving God some counsel, helping him out. Maybe he he needs direction from me. Oh, friends, so this is one scary stuff. Avoid this sermonizing prayer. Okay, the next one. Long praying. I was in that position as well. Sometimes when you're so on fire, you cannot stop. And you are not even aware of of the people around you. So you just keep on going and going. And even in united prayer. uh, By the way, friends. Before I go on, we are not discouraging you to pray long prayers in your closet. You can do this. But when we are in a congregation, be very, very careful. Ask the Lord to put the prayers in your lips. Because we have the tendency as human beings, because pride still exists. As Sister Melody said a while ago, we are still vulnerable. And, and sometimes when, when you hear the word, Amen. So, okay, let's, let me go on. Friends, no. Listen to this thought. Long, prosy talks and prayers are out of place anywhere. And especially in the social meeting. Especially in where? Social meeting. Those who are favored and ever ready to speak are allowed to crowd out the testimony of the timid and retiring. There are some people who are somehow in the valley of of decision whether to lift up their prayers. But because of your long, prosy prayer, they're somehow back out. And friends... And this happens when one person prays a long prayer, another person is inspired to pray another long prayer. And another person prayed another long prayer. What happens is the prayer session is dead. I just like to tell you one, one testimony, one quick one. We were, we were having an all-night prayer. There were just four of us. And this guy prayed very, very long prayer. Friends, this is all-night prayer. This is 2 a.m. And my friend was leading out. And while we were leading out, and I'm thinking, when is she going to transition? This is a very long session. She fell asleep. (laughs) The leader fell asleep. And later on, she woke up. And and she thought that it was just like five minutes ago. She did not realize that we she was there on her knees and face to the ground for 45 minutes. You will worry the angels, you will worry the saints. Friends, those who are, who are most superficial generally have the most to say. Wow. And I could not exempt myself. And I begin to realize, oh Lord, that just exposed how superficial I am. So friends, be careful. With long prosy prayers. And by the way, friends, do not use this code to people like, hey, you, sermonizing prayer, long prayer. Do not attack the people with this. You are not the Holy Spirit, friends. Whenever, uh, we, will, we will discuss this later on how to deal with situations like this. I just need to get another microphone here. I was just going to say, the, the, the point of why we're emphasizing this is specifically for you as leaders, right? So, of course, we can contribute, and, and this makes it very difficult, but as a leader, we need to learn how to bring things back into control. So if you'll address how you would deal with a situation where somebody's going on and on, how do you bring it back into control? When people goes on and on and on, especially when you're leading a united prayer, you have to stop the prayer session. Somehow sing a song and then give an instruction again. 
again and and very very gently, very humbly. Don't say like again. Let's pray short <laughs> prayers. Do not do it like that. So let's let's and let's always be led by the Holy Spirit. Whenever you approach someone, be sure that it's not your spirit doing it. Is the Holy Spirit is very important. And their prayers are long and mechanical. They weary the angels and the people who listen to them. Even the angels are wearied. Just imagine this, friends. So all the while I thought that, that we have a very good audience. My dear friends, our audience become weary. So just remember that. Our prayers should be short and right to the point. That's why in every prayer session, do not fail to emphasize. Let us pray short prayers. Don't get tired reminding this because even people who have been doing United Prayer for a very long time got carried away. The moment we pray long prayers, prayer session dies out. Oh, can we go back, Mel? Let the long, tiresome petitions be left for the what? Closet. So we are not stopping you. Pray long prayers. All night prayer in your closet. Next. Why people pray so long in public? This is the reason why. Listen to this. There are some, I fear, who do not take their troubles to God in private prayer. Those people who pray long in private do not have that personal prayer with God. The, the people who pray long prayers in public do not have that personal one-on-one time with God. That was me. Because I'm a sanguine, I'm a performer. So I don't want one-on-one audience before. I love to pray in front of people. And the moment I got involved in prayer ministry, and I did not even know that that was a prayer killer. Listen. Where am I? Oh, in private. But reserve them for the prayer meeting and there do up their praying for the several days. Such may be named conference and prayer meeting killers. You're not just a prayer session killers, a conference killer. Wow. They emit no light. They edify no one. Their cold, frozen prayers and long, backslidden testimonies cast a shadow. Before, before you go on again, I think um, the greatest thing that we can do as prayer leaders is really lead by our example, Mm. and it's really helpful when you have a group team. I mean, we we do this Mm. together, especially when we're starting a new group that's not used to praying United Prayer, and they're all getting ready to go off on their, you know, one of us will start the prayer, and usually when you're starting or when you're transitioning, I'm sorry, I'm sitting down, I'm so tired, (laughs) but I realize, anyway, when you are, um, where was I going with this thought? When, when you're uh, transitioning? Yeah, when you're, when you're leading a session and you're transitioning, you're going to say a little bit more in the mm. prayer time, okay? And the, give that in the instruction. Yeah, so the leader is you're transitioning, you're kind of opening the session, or you're transitioning into the new se- session. So you're going to say a little bit more. But then as you op- go into the prayer time where people pray, you want to model short prayers, so I'm giving an introduction and all of that, but then I'm going in. And so, you know, now, Lord, um, we want to praise you for such and such, and I'll begin by praising you. Lord, I want to thank you so much for your word. We have your word to stand upon in these shaking times, and I'll say that. And then my prayer teammate will come in with a short praise. And so we've just modeled two short prayers. So people are already seeing but if you don't have, sometimes when you're starting and you don't have someone, um, sometimes it can be a little hard because people don't see and so they just start praying and then it gets long and then you're trying to rein them back in. So it's helpful if you have a few people that are part of the prayer team that actually are, are on board with you so things don't get carried away because that really helps. And also be very aware of this how do you call this, of the negative spirit that is in you. Because sometimes you get impatient when people does not listen to your, to your instruction and they go on and on and on. And the enemy could easily put that in your heart. And that could ruin the prayer session. So you just pray that the Lord will, will somehow lead and somehow give you tact 
to manage the prayer session. If they go on and on, sing again and instruct again. Because that's, that's the human factor of it. We are all, uh, what's this, defective human beings. So, so we learn in the process. Okay, prayer session killers. This unity among the prayer team. Friends, this is, this is one sad thing because prayer ministry sometimes could be very, very prideful. There are some, some disunity among the members who prays the best, who leads out more effectively. So when these things happen, you know for a fact that this is a spiritual battle. This is caused by the enemy. And you know what happens? We defeat the purpose of having a prayer ministry. If we ourselves are not united, and I remember back home when we have this, this prayer conference or, or youth gathering, we have to be very aware that during that conference that the enemy will try everything in his power to put disunity in the group. And when we see that happening, we pull everything together. Hey, I think the enemy is, is getting a foothold on us. So we'll pray and we'll consecrate ourselves and, and go straight right away to the Lord. This needs to happen. And this beautiful quote, and we have been reading this quote again and again. We are encouraged to pray for success with the divine assurance that our prayers will be answered. The promise is made on one condition. What is that promise? The pouring of the Holy Spirit. The that the united prayers of the church are offered and in answer to these prayers there may be expected a power greater than which comes in answer to private prayer and this is my favorite part here the power given will be proportionate to the unity of the members and their love for god and their love for one another how much power do you want to see in the ministry in the church if you want to see that happen in a big way we have to be willing to humble ourselves before God and with one another. Remember, in, this, in the time of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was not poured out until they came together in one accord. And the spirit of competition was pushed aside. These are one of, of the pictures that, uh, that Mel showed. And uh, you see, my dear friends, this is the reason why in, in United Prayer, we always encourage, let's press together. Let's come together. And in, especially in, in a very comfortable society, in a very comfortable or rich country, like the U.S., like Europe, like North America, we have our own space. Huh? And we are not even aware that that space somehow could be used by the enemy to, to distance ourselves from the group, from the ministry, from the church. But I have noticed those those people who have been praying together in close unity, there is such a difference. And I remember in the Philippines, when we come, because Filipinos love crowded places. <laughs> we just crowded one another. And I remember Mel giving me this, this instruction, Jem, don't ask them to come really closer together. These are Americans. <laughs> You know what I mean? They need their space. And I'm thinking, no, they're... It, I did not uh, argue with Mel, but I'm just thinking, they are not just Americans. They're, they're heaven citizens. And in heaven, we are all equal. Amen? And, and then I could really see or sense or feel the difference when God's people come and press together. And we have not experienced such sweet, sweet prayer session until we pressed together last year. Remember that time in the Phoenix Convention when, when we crowded together? And this is one beautiful thing that happened there because there are people outside of the prayer room and they could not get in. But when we pressed together, it was just very symbolic. Those who are unsaved got in. Did you get that? Those people who were not able to come in beside the church came in because God's people united yeah, I just want to say I've um, worked in a number of different congregations in the Western world here where we have that tendency. We're like, press together, press together, and they move two inches. <laughs> no, I mean, come, come together. And I tell people, you know, when I'm inviting people, you know, we're going to be a family in heaven. It's time we start acting like it now. So we mean come forward. 
But I've been in many congregations where they're they're reluctant and they're slow and they're kind of, but they slowly come. But as the praying begins and God, you know, is working and the Holy Spirit is there, there's a real warmth that mm. that develops as the Holy Spirit is there. And then we finish the prayer time and people don't want to leave. <laughs> they don't want to go. They're talking to one another and sometimes hugging or crying or making things right. I've seen this with my own eyes in a number of congregations. And it's just beautiful. You know, the enemy's constantly trying to put up walls. And there are, of course, appropriate boundaries. When we say press together, we're not saying in an inappropriate ways. Um, and so keep that in mind. Um, but at the same time, we have all this reserve. And the Holy Spirit's trying to break that down. He's trying to humble us, Amen. really, and remove those, those prejudices and pride and, and bring us together. And we see that with, with the prayer time, and it's really beautiful. Amen. Isn't it beautiful? And even the singing changes. When we are far apart, there's just, it's not just as sweet as when we come together and press together. That's why I tell you, friends, when, when in persecution, we will not have a space of our own. We'll be drawn closer to each other, and I, I, I'm very, very sure that worship would be sweeter during that time. That's why let's practice it now. Amen? Press together, press together, be of one mind, of one judgment. Christ is the leader, and you are the brethren. Follow him. Okay, prayer session killers, <laughs> difficult people, <laughs> how to handle them. Okay, uh, is there a quote here or I'll just share the testimony? I think there's no quote. I'll just give you a, an experience that I've had dealing with, with people who will, who will refuse to, to somehow listen to instructions because there are people, especially in a huge congregation, the tendency to lift up self is great. It's, it's very high. And there are some situations that, that, that people will, will pray long and will pray so often that it crowds out other people's prayer. So there was one prayer session. It was a big prayer session. And there's one person who prayed again and again and again. It's like after two or three person stop praying, this person prays again. And person prays again. And I was getting, getting irritated during the time. And, and this is why I'm telling you to learn from, from what I have experienced. And I say, Lord, please, take away this. This is, this is a passionate person. This is a, a person who wants to pray, and I don't want to kill the fire. So I was praying and praying, and the Lord somehow convicted me not to talk to the person while I'm still upset. So I went back home and I started praying for this person. I started praying for myself. And friends, if we are not willing to lay on the life, lay our life on the line for that person that we're about to talk to, do not talk to that person. Did you get that? So when I, when the Lord gave me peace to talk to this person, so I, I, I shared that, excuse me, I, I just want to, to tell you that, uh, I'm really appreciative of your passion for prayer. And I want, to, I want to encourage you because I know that you are a prayer leader. And being a prayer leader, we have to be aware of what we are doing in the prayer session because we could bring this to our church. So as a prayer leader to a prayer leader, I'd like to, I'd like to give you a, a, a short counsel because sometimes other people goes there in the prayer session and they're timid, they're shy to pray. But if we are very aggressive in our prayer, it somehow stops them from expressing what the Lord has put in their hearts. So my, my advice is give them time to pray. Let's lessen our prayer and let's let the other people pray. Because this is a huge congregation. Let's, let's let them pray. And then this person said, okay, thank you. And I, all the while I thought that that was okay already. And then this person left and then he came back and said, Brother Jem, I have to listen to the Holy Spirit's voice rather than men. Oh, and I'm thinking, and this is the reason why, friends, that we really have to come in a very prayerful spirit. Or else it will be us that will be answering those difficult situations. And while that person was speaking, I was praying in my head, Lord, how do I answer this? And the Lord gave me the answer. And I told this person, Excuse me, but with all due respect, 
from 700 people who are gathered here in the prayer room, I'm very sure that it's not just you whom the Holy Spirit would want to pray. So sometimes it will come out in, in a rebuke form. But my dear friends, rebuke with a spirit's heart. So be very, very careful. And there are some situations, friends, that this person will still go on. Because this person became rebellious. Like in the prayer session, this person would pray long prayers, would defy every instruction. So every time that that happens, I just stop the prayer session and, and somehow stop it with a song and then instruct again that people will learn. And, and there, are, there are people who are, who are very passionate and you just have to talk to them with a kind heart because we have people who are like that. Very, very passionate to pray. They pray often. So I talk to this person. Hello, sister. You know what? You are, uh, you are very, very passionate for prayer and, and we appreciate that. But sometimes it crowds out other people. So when these people pray, they pray in front of me. And when they go on and on, I crawl to them and then I tap them on the knee. You're doing it again. <laughs> Do it with a smiling face. And I remember one time when we were doing it, and this, this person, and she understands that, that she has this tendency because you could just see her bubble when, when she prays. So she prayed a long distance from me. So I crawled. I said, sister, you're doing it again. And she said, I'm sorry, Jim. So friends, do it in a very, very nice Manner. Hey, Jim, okay. Share the share the pie illustration. Oh yeah, and there was this uh, last last prayer session, and I was just struggling. Lord, how can I how can I bring this person because this person does not back down. So I told the group, uh, you know what? I before I land out in the prayer session, uh, the prayer session here in in this group is is like uh, we are all family here. It's like we are taking each and every one of us a piece of the pie. Like uh, back in the Philippines, we are are quite impoverished. So when we eat something, we have to slice everything. And you could not eat the slice that's not yours. Or else your brother will not be able to eat. (laughs) So this is something as well that we have to remember in prayer session. Do not eat the pie of your brother. Okay, you have something to say, Mel? Yeah, I just want to say, um, as well as far as leaders, you know, what we are doing here at GYC, what Jim is doing with the prayer time with such a large group is not something you're doing all the time, right? This is a special experience. GYC, there's hundreds of people, you know, we've had between eight and 900 people every day praying. And so it's beautiful just to be in the room and just to, just to listen. Um, but if, if you have a large group, too much of this going on, and, and Jim has done this with the morning prayer times too, you know, you'll actually divide the group up and say, mm. okay, we're going to get into smaller groups. And then everybody's praying in the smaller group, but the prayer leader can still lead the prayer from the front. So he can still walk us through the, the praise and thanksgiving and the confession, and he just transitions with a song so people kind of bring their prayers to a close and then follow him to the next session. So you can do this, and we've done this with thousands of people. Um, you can lead United Prayer from the front, just getting people into small groups. Um, but it's difficult. What he's talking about, these you know people going on and on, specifically in large groups, we want to allow people the experience, and we need to remind people, and we do. God hears your prayer. You don't have to speak it out loud. You don't have to dominate the prayer space. Now, obviously, we want to encourage people to pray, but what he's speaking against are prayer session killers where somebody is dominating the prayer time and they're not allowing other people to speak. And so that's what we're trying. How do we bring that into control? And he'll do that. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll sing a song and then reemphasize. Um, and if it continues, then you have to talk with the person more and, directly. And even, Mel, the singing the song, that was not my idea. Because at that time, remember, I've, I've been sleeping only with a few hours. And I'm thinking, Lord, I, w- I was just like distressed during a time. What can I do in this situation? Because it just goes on and on. The prayer session killer just keep on doing it. And the Lord just gave that thought. End it with a song first. Stop it with a song. 
And this is very, very important that the heart preparation should be done. Because if you are not connected with the Lord, even the ideas will not flow through. Even the way how to handle this, you cannot do this on your own. Especially this is a spiritual battle, friends. You have to be fully dependent on the Lord. Okay, yeah. Okay, Mel, I think you have to take over here. Trying to think of what I was going to say here. We've been talking about pride and humility the whole time. Um, as, as far as prayer session killers, um, I think just what I was, I think Jim's already been covering this. What, what we were referring to with this slide is um, our own heart condition um, as leaders. And if there's things going on in our heart or we're not consecrated, that's it's going to go flat when we bring people together. I think that's what I was dealing with. Okay, I wanted to talk about good vulnerability versus bad vulnerability. We have a lot of questions about this. And by the way, at the end, we're going to have a little question and answer session um, as we get through these things. So if you guys do have questions, you can ask, and uh, we'll do our best. But anyway, good vulnerability, bad vulnerability. Um, I think it's really important, and I actually write about this in Daring to Ask for More. Um, I'll share an experience first. Um, a number of years ago, I was leading, or I was supposed to lead a, a prayer session in the morning with a few hundred people, quite a few people present, and um, the night before, it was the next morning that I was supposed to lead, God convicted me of something in my own life that was not right. And it was something that I needed to do. I needed to make something right before I was going to be right with him. Um, and it was something that I just hadn't realized. Um, I think I knew if I really thought about it, but things build up in your life and you just let them go. And then a breach forms. And so God convicted me of something that that wasn't right in my life. And when he brought this to mind, I'm like, I can't go leave the prayer time tomorrow morning. You know, this has to be right first. I can't lead it. And so uh, I was looking for somebody to replace me. Um, but I, it, I couldn't find somebody to replace me. And so I was struggling. And then there was somebody that was going to replace me. But I was praying. And I remember the Holy Spirit convicting me that morning. This was the next morning, um, right before the prayer time was supposed to happen. And I was working to get somebody else to replace me. And the Holy Spirit was saying, Melody, you need to go and lead the prayer time but not as the person that you want everyone to think that you are. You need to be honest with your struggle, with your failure, with where you are, and bring people with you to the foot of the cross. Well, I was like, I was totally humiliated. I was like, Lord, I can't do this. I can't share, you know, what, what, you know what's going, what's wrong. And so I was just like, no, no. And I was talking to another prayer, prayer leader that was on, um, on the team with us. And, and I was trying to get him to help me get somebody. And he even confirmed, Melody, I think, I think you need to do it and just be open <laughs> with the struggle that you're having in your life right now. It's not fixed, but you recognize. So this is a big battle for me, of course, largely because of my pride, and I don't want to go forward and admit and share my struggle. But that morning I did, and I went forward with tears and shared um, an area in my life where I had not been following God as I should and that I needed to make right, but I hadn't, I couldn't make it right, you know, right this moment. I have to go take time to do that. And, and so I was crying, and I said, but I'm inviting you to come forward with me to the foot of the cross. You know, sometimes we feel like we have to wait until everything's perfect, you know, before we, um, we come. And he says, you don't make everything perfect before you come. You come, and I'm what you need. And so I'm, I'm inviting you to come with me today because I'm broken just like you, and I'm struggling, and you see. And I actually shared with them what that struggle was, and it was very humiliating to do so. Um, but we just had this beautiful, powerful prayer time that morning. And I remember afterwards, and I was just, you know, I was struggling. I was like, Lord, why did I, why did I have to share that, you know? Um, but I remember um, afterwards, 
the Holy Spirit convicting me, not just for your own humbling, but as an example for others to see how I'm working in your life. And then he brought this elderly gentleman up, um, kind of hobbling and all crinkled skin. I don't know how old he was, but definitely an older man. And he came forward and he says, you know, I've been attending conferences and different things for many years. And I always felt like they were just an act on stage, just pretending. He says, but today, he says, I have chosen. I don't know if he said for the first time, but he says, I've chosen to give my life to Christ because I see that he's real because I see how he's changing you. And he was crying and he hugged my neck and I was crying. And I was just like, wow, you know, I don't know. I mean, the situation that I was in, obviously, um, I shouldn't have been in. Um, But I know that God used that experience to touch somebody specifically. And he wasn't the only one, but that was the dramatic testimony from that. Um, So good vulnerability, um, bad vulnerability. Uh, I want to share something here. See if I can find, specifically relating to confession. Glasses down here. I write about this in more detail in Daring to Ask for More. So you can, you can read this. You can look up all the spirit of prophecy on it. But I've had a lot of questions, and these are different things that we've dealt with a lot um, in the prayer ministry. Like, you shouldn't have... You shouldn't have, you know, confession. Part of it, it should just be personal and private. And let me just say, there is a difference between personal confession and public confession. There are things that we should never confess publicly. And Ellen White talks about this specifically as well. There are certain sins um, that uh, are being struggled with. And when we bring those to confession, it plants seeds in the minds of other people. And, you know, I'll just give an example. In the area of um, sexual sexuality or pornography or um, these different things. And I've been in prayer groups where people are confessing these things. Lord, forgive me for my struggles with masturbation or forgive me for my struggles with this and that. And you're just like, oh, my word, you know. But then people... People are becoming more and more free, and and I see exactly what Ellen White was talking about, the fact that it plants seeds in the minds of different people. Well, they're struggling with it, too. It's really, I guess it's not that bad. It's one of these respectable sins, right? We don't really talk about it, but, you know, and it puts it in the minds of people. And she says these things, when they're spoken, actually reap, um, reap sorrow. And so... Um, these are very real things that we're struggling with, that our young people are struggling with. And I think sometimes um, they need to have some accountability and they need to have some counsel and maybe prayer partnership to have victory. But this is not something that needs to come to the public circle ever, these type of things. Um, lust and, um, you know, emotional adultery and other things. I mean, the list goes on. I don't have to name them all for you. But these type of things... Um, are not healthy to be shared. And so that's why we have become very strong because in earlier days in the prayer ministry, I remember these things coming out and like, how do we deal? I mean, I mean, it's good that they're being honest, but should they be that honest? No, these are not things that are healthy to be shared publicly. And Ellen White talks about that. And so that's really helped us. So we are very clear now when we do the confession times, you know, those private personal sins, you know what they are, don't need to be confessed publicly. That's between you and God. However, there are sins that we are guilty of as a church that is very appropriate to share. And it's actually good to humble ourselves. And that's what I wanted to read a little bit of here. I can um, do this. Let's see here. So, in the spirit of prophecy, we find the following principles, which I've paraphrased here. Public confession is humbling to our souls 
we need to be humbled. Public confession is a witness to others who need to humble themselves. Public confession is taking responsibility for what we have done wrong against God or others and seeking to make it right. When we do this, there's healing. Public confession fosters unity and love as we pray for one another and bear each other's burdens. Public confessions like, and Ellen White lists these things, selfishness, overreaching, dishonesty towards our neighbor or God, pride, prayerlessness, sins in the family, and many other such sins that have brought the frown of God upon his people need to be acknowledged. These are appropriate to bear, to share publicly. So she actually says these things. Um, we all bear responsibility. Public confession is often urged by the Holy Spirit, and we need to obey. Of course, what is private to some may not be private to another. So if the Holy Spirit prompts us to confess, we must not refuse, but... She also writes, Confession of sin, whether public or private, should be heartfelt and freely expressed. It's not to be urged from the sinner. It's not to be made in a flippant, careless way or forced from those who have no realizing sense of the abhorrent character of sin. The confession that is mingled with tears and sorrow, that is the outpouring of the inmost soul, finds its way to the God of infinite pity. Says the psalmist, The Lord is nigh unto them that have a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. The devil likes to take us to extremes. So um, he would really like to not see any confession at all, or he wants us to just vomit out all the filth um, of our heart. And that is not, um, that is not the solution. Um, I want to say one more thing here. Yeah, I, I, I already mentioned this. It's dangerous to confess these type... Okay. Of course, we need to confess these sins. These are things I spoke of earlier, but they should always be confessed to God alone um, or only with uh, someone who could help with the achieving victory. However, it's dangerous to confess these type of sins publicly, especially sins of a sexual nature, because they neutralize the witness we have for Christ and they plant seeds in the hearts of other Christians that will spring up and bear fruit to fall under similar temptations. These sins cannot be very grievous, they say. This is Ellen White's words. For did not those who have made confession, Christians of long standing, do those very things? These must not be very grievous. you know. And so these are the excuses um, that people use. So I just want to encourage, um, as prayer leaders especially, we need to keep guiding and and holding the reins uh, in this area of confession. Now, I I have a few things I want to share here. This comes from the book Secrets to Victorious Living. I think it's by Norman Grubb. Um, We are like a house. This is how it goes. We are not isolated units living in a vertical relationship with an isolated God. We are members of a human family with whom we live in horizontal relationships, and our obligations are two-way. We cannot say we are righteous before God through faith in Christ and continue to be unrighteous among men. Let's put it this way. We can liken a man to a house. It has a roof and walls. So also man in his fallen state has a roof on top of his sins coming between him and God, and he has walls up between him and his neighbor. But at salvation, when broken at the cross, not only does the roof come off through faith in Christ, but the walls fall down, and man's true condition as a sinner saved by grace is confessed before all men. And um, he writes, the secret to continued revival is continued brokenness. Um, but he continues, unfortunately, the trouble soon begins after conversion, and here lies the basic hindrance to continued revival. Continued revival is continued brokenness, but brokenness is two-way, and that means that the walls may be kept, must be kept off between us and God, um, but man's that walls must be kept down as well as the roof off. I read that wrong. But man's most deep-rooted and subtle sin is the subtle sin of pride, of self-esteem and self-respect. Though hardly realizing it, while we are very careful to keep the roof off between ourselves and God through repentance and faith, we soon let the walls of respectability creep up between ourselves and our brethren. We don't mind our brethren knowing about the successes we have in a Christian living. If we win a soul, if we lead a Bible class, um, da, 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 you see, we don't mind if they hear about these things because we get a little reflected credit because of them. 
But where we fail in those little areas of our daily lives, that is a different question. If God has to deal with us over our impatience, our temper, our dishonesty, our coldness, or some other sin, we do not bear easily testimony to this of God's gracious, faithful dealings. Why? Because of our pride. And here is a quote from Fifth Testimonies, page 18. Let the proud spirit bow in humiliation. Let the hard heart be broken. No longer pet and pity and exalt self. Look upon him who our sins have pierced. See him descending step by step the path of humiliation to lift us up, abasing himself till he could go no no lower. Why will we be so indifferent, so cold, so formal, so proud, so self-sufficient? Who of us is faithfully following the pattern? Who of us have instituted and continued the warfare against pride of heart? And she goes on. Um, and so this is, this is really key, I think, um, that God and that we pray that God would teach us how to live a life for him of biblical integrity, but also authentic honesty and, and godliness. And this is something, um, it's been difficult for me, um, but God's been, ever since he took me through that breaking experience about, um, we're looking 12, 13, 14 years ago now, that I alluded to the other day in my testimony, um, God has really given me a different perspective on this. Like in the past, I would never admit, you know, like I, you know, he helped me overcome this or struggling with this or, or different things. But going through that brokenness, wrecking, recognizing who I am in the face of who Christ is and what he's done and what he continues to, to be, my self-esteem is no longer built on your acceptance of me. Does that make sense? It's on being faithful to God. So when I share things, I'm not sharing things to be accepted or applauded or whatever. I'm sharing it because the Holy Spirit's convicted me to share it. Now, you know, I just shared something this morning with you when we were in the other room, you know, about the fact, you know, Jim's talking about self and, and, and pride of heart. And I'm just sharing right here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm struggling as a conference speaker, wondering, you know, who's going to come to the seminar? Are people going to want to come to the seminar? And then I shared, well, it doesn't really matter. Well, you know, how, how did it feel the first reaction of self when we had to remove rooms today? You know, that didn't feel real good, but then it's like, it doesn't matter. And actually Jim and I were talking about it. We're like, we actually like the cozy atmosphere of this room better. (laughs) That other room was so big. It was hard to get, you know, close to everybody. So it's all good. But I'm just saying self is alive. We struggle. And we're struggling, you know, with little things here and there that we, we really don't mention. And it's not necessarily necessary that we need to mention everything. I don't think that our life needs to be a di- diary where we just share everything. You know, this is something kind of gets me on social media where everybody feels like they need to share everything that they're thinking and everything that they're going through and every little detail. I don't think that that's necessary. But if you follow me on social media or my Instagram account, you will see that I am authentic in what I share. Struggles that, that God's working me through are different things. Um, and so what is the fine line between, I think it really goes back to the heart issue of things. What is the purpose? What is the heart? Are you trying to pull attention to yourself? Are you trying to, you know, get people to notice you? Are you really seeking to be faithful? And just, you know, this is my walk with God. And I'm struggling, and I'm on the same journey that you are. We have our struggles, but he is growing us, and I praise him for the victory that he gives. And so I can share those things, not worrying about what people are going to think, because my my goal is what God thinks and that I'm faithful to him. So sometimes he prompts me to share things in confession that I wouldn't normally. Um, but, of course, he holds the reins as well. So hopefully that topic on confession makes sense. Hopefully I haven't muddied the waters more. I write a lot more about it and daring to ask for more if you have questions. How do we relate to confession? And you can look up all the Spirit of Prophecy quotes and Bible that we, that we reference. Um, so I think you're back on dealing with opposition. We've talked a little bit about it. I don't know if you had more that you were sharing here, but... Okay, yeah, we have a lot of experience uh, of negative opposition. Oh, of course, there's no positive opposition. <laughs> what I mean is negativity towards the ministry. 
because uh, there are some people who associate uh, a united prayer as uh, what's this uh, contemplative prayer and uh, spiritual formation. So we have discovered that uh, people will label it as that because they have not really had a knowledge of what a contemplative prayer really is or spiritual formation. And there was this one youth conference back in Asia. I was together with another pastor who's, who's well-known in, uh, in the Adventist world. When I stood up at the end of the, of the sermon, I was uh, about to lead out a prayer session. This pastor asked my friend, what is he doing? He said, oh, he's about to lead out in United Prayer. And later on, we knew that this pastor was not somehow approved of United Prayer. You know why? Because of a United Prayer session that he somehow experienced that went out of hand. There is this one person who just went off on a very spiritual tangent and, and this person like cried and all that they have to, to console and it was ugly. So he was somehow concerned of what I was about to do. So he told my friend, I will talk to him tomorrow. And I'm thinking, oh Lord, what am I going to say? Because this person is really good with his Bible and all very, very sound theologically. And I'm thinking, who am I? I? I don't even memorize one book like Melody said a while ago. And I was, <laughs> and I was, I was struggling really, really hard because self sometimes, no, not sometimes, all the time wants to defend, especially when you think that you are right. And this is one problem with me because sometimes I will not, I will not see who's, who, who I'm talking to as long as I'm right. So you know what I did? Spend time in the prayer room. For one hour, my friend and I was weeping before God, cry before the Lord. And when I was about to, to go out and, and breathe fresh air, the first thing that I saw when I came out was the pastor. <laughs> so, Mr. Castor, can I talk to you? And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, this soon? <laughs> So I was already thinking about all the all the the theory that I'm about to share with him, and then the Lord convicted me. Share what you have experienced in the prayer room. He asked me about. So what is United Prayer? And I said, Oh, United Prayer is coming together uh, as one because we, as a church, we somehow failed to to come together and unite ourselves, humble ourselves together, and ask for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Because when you look at our, our program, it's, there's nothing that, that really draws us closer together and, and humbles ourselves together before God. We have this as a, as a communion service, but during communion service, it becomes a formality now. You drink the cup, you eat the bread, and then you go home. You don't even ask forgiveness from your, from sins, from, from, from your brother and your offended sister. And then so I shared with him, and then he asked me, so how about the number of people? Does it have to be this much? So you could do United Prayer with, with just one, uh, with just the two of you, or with 600? I said, 600, does it have to be that big? I said, uh, Pastor, the one beautiful thing about United Prayer is even though you come there not to pray, but you get affected by the prayers of other people. And then I, I share with this, with this pastor the, the fruit that it has resulted people who are backslidden, people who does not have any plans of staying in the church, stayed in the church after the prayer session, and people who, whose relationship has been broken for, for a long time were resolved. And I, I said to him, Pastor, I was asking God, if this is not of your, of your doing, then reveal it to me. And, and this somehow showed me that this is the working of the Holy Spirit because the enemy would not want to see relationships that have been broken to be resolved. Can you say amen? amen? And I've seen again and again, and there is one instance that I told him, and I, I have seen the leading of the Holy Spirit in this, in this uh, prayer session. I said, oh, can you give me an example? And friends, I, I was just thinking, what example should I give? But since I prayed before talking to him, the Holy Spirit gave me an example. There was one prayer session. We were doing it with the high school students. High Asian high school students in the, in the Philippines. Of course, when you are 18, you don't want to open your heart to other teens. Huh? 
So and and in this academy, I conducted this this prayer session. First year, second year, third year, and fourth year students. They were assigned four from each. No, eight from each year level. They're not friends with one another. They're different year level. And I, I remember during that time when I led out. Because during the time I was asking God, Lord, is this really your, your doing? Is this really your ministry? And I prayed. Okay, after I, I introduce praise and thanksgiving, I will not give an example. If it is you who's leading, then, then you go and lead. I will not lead. And friends, after I, I said the introduction, I waited and waited for like a minute. There's silence. No one wants to pray. And like a minute and a half, somebody prayed. And when this young person prayed, another person prayed. Another person prayed. Another person prayed. And there was just like this stampede of prayers. And when they went to confession, they confessed about, about their habits. They confessed about their choices of, of friends. They confessed about all, their, all the things that I could not even say. Because during that time, we didn't know about, about all those things. And they were confessing things that I have not even shared with them. That I have not even instructed them. And then I told the pastor, you know what, pastor? I did not tell them about dress. I did not tell them about food. I did not tell them about movies, about entertainment, about fashion and all. If it's not the Holy Spirit that's teaching that, then who? So my dear friends, the pastor later on said, Jem, thank you for your time. Now I get to see the picture. So we could only deal with this, not with our own spirit, but with the Spirit of God. So deal with it on your knees first before you go out. And deal with opposition. So just briefly, um, to talk about contemplated prayer, I'm not going to go into this in depth. Um, I talk about this, actually. I have a whole chapter exploring dangerous forms of prayer and meditation. Um, Chapter 23. And daring to ask for more. And the reason that I began studying the topic of contemplative prayer is because people were having united prayer and people are accusing us that we're doing contemplative prayer. And I'm like, I don't think so, but I don't really understand what contemplative prayer is. So I started studying it. There's a wonderful book, Howard um, Perth, I think it is, um, that talks about exposing uh, the dangers of contemplative uh, philosophy. But let me just say briefly, the whole point of contemplative prayer and centering prayer is getting people into a state of stillness. Um, they have certain words and they can be biblical words from the Bible. It can even be the word Jesus. And your whole point is you just say this over and over and over again until your mind reaches this point of nothingness, which is uh, the center of our being, um, which is untouched by sin and illusions, a point of pure truth. This little point is the pure glory of God in us. This is what they say. This is the point of contemplative prayer, is to get us to that state. Um, so then they say the Holy Spirit can speak to us, but it's not the Spirit that's going to speak to us. We do not have, first off, you look at that, um, right, that right there is, um, is biblically false because we're told in the Bible there is no good thing within us. The heart is deceitfully wicked. Um, there is no inner divine power if we're just still long enough that we can find and furthermore, we know that we, the Holy Spirit does not speak to us through our nothingness. It speaks to us through the word of God, through meditation, through contemplation of the scriptures. And so just in a nutshell, um, and I have a whole chapter on this topic in daring to ask for more, but just in a nutshell, um, contemplative prayer um, does not have any relation to what we are doing um, with United Prayer at all. Oftentimes the people that are accusing or saying things um, haven't even experienced the prayer time. They've not even come to the United Prayer Time. Um, they're just casting doubt. They don't like what's happening or they're, fa- they're fanatical about it. And actually, Ellen White makes some really... I don't know if I can find it this fast. You can read it in here. Because uh, we have this quote in this book that talks about the fact if the Holy Spirit 
was revealed, there are people that would scream fanaticism because they don't truly understand what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Um, So remember, um, with um, the good thing, there's a counterfeit. And with the counterfeit, there's a good thing. So we don't stay away from the good thing because there's a counterfeit to it, but we better be studying the true genuine and how are we going to be safe when it comes to prayer how are we going to be safe with these different things it's only through the word of god it's only as we immerse our mind in the word of god as we're being rooted and grounded in the word of god that we can deal with these things that come and we recognize wait that's not a that's not of scripture i know that's not according to the word of god um so um what time are we oh my word we were supposed to, we've talked about objections. to. We were supposed to have a Q&A. <laughs> Shall we start the next session with a Q&A? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. We'll go ahead and have a prayer. If somebody does have questions that they want to ask, um, we can do that in the, in the break time. If somebody wants to move on, that's fine as well. Um, hopefully, <laughs> a few of these things have helped. I know that there's probably questions and things we haven't addressed, but let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, um, we need you to lead us. We are not safe for a single moment apart from you. We need your Holy Spirit, and we need to be rooted and grounded in your word. And you promise um, that you will show us if we open our eyes to your truth. Um, you say in Isaiah eight twenty to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it's because there's no light in them. And we know how the enemy, how angry he is when he sees God's people praying and he's trying to keep us from praying or to get us off on a fanatical movement that is not of your spirit. And so we just plead that you would help us to differentiate, have that spirit of discernment between those spirits. And as prayer leaders, that you would help us to know how to lead for your glory and honor. This is our prayer. Thank you in your precious name. Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC to the end in Houston, Texas. GYC, supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.